We are now excited to go back to our orthopedic clinic phone line where we welcome on Joe Bartle of Rotowire, fresh off the bye week. Joe, the time is greatly appreciated. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you guys? I'm doing quite well. And, uh, of course, uh, weren't able to, to link up last week. And, again, we just chalked that up to a, a, a bye week. Everyone deserves one or two throughout <laughs> the year. So, uh, But we're happy to be back with you this week. And, of course, a lot of questions since we last talked, including the trade deadline, some quarterback injuries, and that sort of thing. I want to start with Minnesota because Minnesota with Kirk Cousins, an incredibly productive statistical quarterback, no matter how you feel about him after noon uh, on a Sunday. So Josh Dobbs comes in there. We know Justin Jefferson's getting a little closer. What's that dynamic like there in Minnesota now? Yeah, for what it's worth, it sounds like Jefferson won't be back this week. Uh, head coach Kevin O'Connell consider that to be a bit optimistic in terms of his return timetable. But still, you're getting the all-pro receiver back some point in the near future, let's just say, uh, within the next two weeks, and joining Jordan Asson, who's really emerged, I think, as a quality receiver in his own right. So two good targets, one with T.J. Hawkinson. Alexander Masson doesn't do a lot on the ground, but another good passing game, too. And a defense that really is not good. I think Brian Flores has made a lot of bad pieces work uh, to a certain extent, and the Vikings' rest-of-season schedule really pretty favorable, too. So I think Josh Dobbs with... All the other injuries that have occurred to the quarterback position over the past nine weeks and probably more to come and a few bye weeks sprinkled in is maybe not quite a quarterback 12 or a starting quarterback in 12-team leagues rest of the season, but certainly close. There's the rushing floor aspect, the good offense that he's working with, and a defense that's going to allow a lot of points up there. We've seen Dobbs be successful in worse situations, both from a coaching perspective and offensively. I think back to the Titans last year as well. So. I'm I'm pretty optimistic for Dobbs' fantasy value, and I think from the Vikings' perspective, this is a big week against the Saints where they could hold a wild-card 5-6-7 seed advantage if they win this one, but I, I do think they are going to be a playoff team, and that's in large part because the NFC is just incredibly dreary, but I, I think they will have a possibility to represent in the playoffs, and uh, Dobbs is, is going to be a big factor in that. Joe, I want to talk about my Atlanta Falcons for a moment. Uh, weapons all over the field, but things just have not really been clicking offensively. Now, Arthur Smith shaved the mustache over the weekend. Do we think that's a sign of changes to come? Yeah, uh, he did the reverse Movember thing. He, he heard that was coming up, and then it became faux pas. So, uh, didn't like the mustache. No, I mean, uh, Arthur Smith came at us, us in the fantasy community, uh, and want to chastise and i think now it's only rightfully fair when your team looks as bad as you are and you make as dumb decisions as you do that we as the fantasy community can rightfully point and laugh at you because that i mean that's what the falcons are doing they've drafted a running back in the top eight a tight end in the top five uh they have an offensive line that's really capable as well too i think a defense especially with the amount they spent this offseason that's more than capable and they're struggling because of arthur smith and i don't know how that changes mustache or not you know i, I think that's going to be an offense uh, that I would imagine with Taylor Heineke is a bit more consistent, but Arthur Smith just seems to have fun getting the Kaderil Hodges and Matt Collins of the world more involved when you have Kyle Pitts and B. John Robinson. You are going to lose football games when you continue to make dumb decisions, and this is not surprising to anyone who's played Madden over the age of six, and Arthur Smith hasn't figured that out yet. So uh, I feel bad for the Falcons fans out there. You shouldn't be such good uh, to as poor coaching as you seem to be, and uh, I would imagine this is going to end in a, in a playoff outside-looking-in scenario when the NFC South was super winnable, when a 5-6-7 seed might go to a team under 500, 
And I think the Falcons are going to be in position to uh, miss out with the way the coaching has been this year. Speaking of being on the outside looking in in that playoff scenario, a couple of teams that were expected to compete for the Super Bowl this year uh, are kind of in that spot right now. Specifically, uh, talk a little bit about the Buffalo Bills. They're struggling a little bit right now. What's going on with them? Yeah, and I think everyone wants to talk about Josh Allen and his turnover uh, propensity, and that's fine. Like That's really been Josh Allen's M.O. now for a while, and I think you live and die by that. I, it feels like the modern age, Brett Favre in that instance, where he's absolutely a gunslinger, has all the confidence in the world that can make every throw, has weapons as well, too, but sometimes you're going to make mistakes, uh, and sometimes you're going to do well. And I would rule, I would lean towards Josh Allen succeeding more scenarios than not. But the only issue is the AFC is absolutely loaded this year. Besides the Bills, who are, I think, likely going to be uh, in that 5-6-7 range, but they have the Dolphins in their division, you have the entire AFC North that looks really capable right now. The Chargers are on the fringe of the things, too. The Chiefs obviously doing their thing. And the AFC South, you know, say what you want about the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are running away with that division, but the Colts uh, and Texans look far more formidable than we would have envisioned. And there's still the Raiders, who are close to a 500 record despite uh, beating literally of nobody of consequence. So there's a lot of teams in the AFC that are really good, and if the Bills miss out, I don't think it's because Josh Allen stinks or anything like that. It's just a very difficult schedule. And the defensive injuries that they've amassed over the past four weeks have just been absolutely insane. I mean, there's been a lot of injury bugs everywhere, uh, and I think for a case like the Giants, they really weren't that good of a team anyway, so losing all these guys has really kind of shed light on how bad that situation is. I think it's kind of the same scenario, but they still have their quarterback in Josh Allen for the Bills. So I, I, uh, it, it's really tough to overcome the amount of defensive injuries in particular they've, been, they've dealt with this season. Joe Bartle of Roto-Wire joining us today on the Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Joe, I turn to a team which is fascinating, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They have been outgained in all eight games. They are 5-3 and three and very much in the playoff hunt. However, from a fantasy perspective, they had an interesting blow-up on the sidelines last week with George Pickens, who's obviously an incredibly talented receiver. Uh, because of that, do you buy even more stock in Deontay Johnson? Then also, I could go with running backs too, because it seems like Jalen Warren is the far more capable back than Najee Harris at this standpoint. So where are you with those two wide receiver and running back dynamics? Yeah, and they'll be six and three uh, this week after beating my hapless Packers. <laughs> I can I feel pretty confident that this might be the first time they actually outscore an opponent or whatever it is, but or yardage wise, like that, that's going to be a very easy win. The Pickens thing is really weird. I would say the Packers defense is a get right game, and maybe it will be, but you have to have a quarterback that's confident throwing the ball to him. That's just not what Kenny Pickett is right now uh, in his maturation process. So I I have a little bit of reservation. Obviously, Deontay Johnson's looked great since his return from injured reserve, and I see no reason why the Steelers are going to gravitate away from that. So I think it's going to be a similar scenario. And Pickens, for the first five, six weeks of the season, was pretty much a must-start. And not not in like the A.J. Brown, Tyree Kill category, but a guy that you knew was going to have the potential to score a touchdown, had the potential for a big play, and oftentimes all it would take is one of those two to make wide receiver two or wide receiver three fantasy values. I, I don't think we are at that spot. Right now, both because the Steelers' passing attack is dreary, but also the Pickens situation is a little murky. I mean, there's there's some uncertainty with that. Um, whether it be Jalen uh, Jalen Warren, I mean Najee Harris from the backfield as well too, Deontay Johnson. I think those three are going to be the biggest beneficiaries. And if and when Pat Frymuth returns from injured reserve, he too will also be a guy that can take a bit more of a workload. But this is still an offense that if it gets above 200 yards passing, you think that's a good day and. 
while that might be fine for Pittsburgh fans, it certainly isn't for fantasy managers. So other than Deontay Johnson uh, and the two running backs that we mentioned, there's just not enough consistency from an offense that does not look good most weeks to uh, have a lot of optimism. Joe, I want to talk about the impact of playing a great defense. I haven't asked a question just like this, but it feels like teams that play the Cleveland Browns are apt to turn over the ball a lot, take a lot of sacks, and maybe I'm just because it's a terrible Arizona team they played last week, but even in higher scoring games, it feels like that defense still causes chaos at the very minimum. Is there any hesitation with tweener-type players when you're looking at that flex position or looking at uh, at making a decision as a manager against a Cleveland type of defense where you say, yeah, this is the type of defense I don't really want to give the benefit of the doubt to to some some tweener guys? Yeah, it's really tricky. Right now we're at Week 10. You have the Chiefs, Dolphins, Eagles, and Rams all on by. So at the very least, you're losing a lot of receivers, but obviously the quarterbacks too. This particular week, I don't, I don't think you can afford to try to be picky with defenses. And I honestly think the way the last two or three weeks have unfolded and what's to come over the next two or three weeks, you probably can't be picky either. And like I think about the reverse side of this, the Browns are playing the Ravens, and it's like, do I want to play Jerome Ford? Well, my other options are you know, some other scrub guys. Like, yeah, I guess by default... I have to play Jerome Ford, and I think a lot of fantasy managers could be dealing with that aspect as well. So the Browns' defense, I understand, uh, looks formidable. They've, they've done a lot from a turnover perspective, but I go back to two weeks ago when the Colts ended up making that game really competitive. You had Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss do some things. Josh Downs was great. Michael Pittman was great. So while they, while they make really inept quarterbacks, and Clayton Tune is, is really inept, look horrendous, as they should, I don't know if that works for most NFL offenses. The only issue is, to your point, not many quarterbacks are left running NFL offenses. We're talking about one-third of the league. Last week started a backup or a third-string quarterback, and we might add to that as well, too, depending on the stats of Kyler Murray uh, this week. So it is kind of a crazy spot right now in the NFL season, but I just don't think you have many options to be able to fade away from really good defenses. The Browns certainly are among that group. Joe, speaking of quarterbacks, the San Francisco 49ers, they've lost three in a row, but they do get Debo Samuel back this week. How much do you think having a guy like that helps out Brock Purdy and the 49ers? I mean, I would have answered a month ago it wasn't going to be that that big of a deal, but clearly it was that big of a deal. And it's hard to really get too upset about that Browns game again. Niners going into Cleveland thinking uh, easy schmeasy, you know, backup quarterback didn't end up being the case. The weather certainly was a factor. Then you have Brock Purdy get uh, banged up in that game against the Vikings. Some decisions happen towards the later stage of the game that you can point to, just like we did with Tua last year. I think specifically the Packers game, like, oh, well, he was clearly clearly wrong. Didn't I, you know, the Bengals game as well, too. I mean, the Bengals defense is really good. The Bengals are really good. So I, I have no I, – I'm not that worried about and I think people are going to uh, ooh and ah about the record and give them what the 49ers are going to be. It's still going to be the Eagles. It's still going to be the 49ers come the NFC Championship game like we all thought it was going to be. Uh, and I'm not really wavering from that. So, uh, yes, I think the return of Debo Samuel makes a big difference to the offense, and I didn't think that was going to be the case. But also the return of Trent Williams as well, too, is going to make an immediate impact. I think we really clearly saw what it was like in that Vikings game, specifically without Trent Williams, what happened to the running game, uh, that Brock Purdy didn't have all day to make decisions. So I, I think there's a lot of those guys returning, and then the addition of Chase Young that should propel the 49ers to be successful in the second half of the season. 
want to ask Joe before we let you go about a couple of these rookie quarterbacks. We know Anthony Richardson went down a few weeks ago with Indy. C.J. Stroud lit up Tampa Bay last weekend. You also got Will Levis, who at least has more signs of life than Ryan Tannehill certainly did. Then you also got Bryce Young playing a bad Bears team on Thursday night. What uh, what kind of stands out to you out of that group of rookies? Yeah, real quick, you know, the NFL doesn't give enough thank you uh, for looking out for relationships, and that being both Thursday night and Sunday night giving us the Bears, Panthers, and Raiders, Jets. <laughs> that was clearly the, oh, hey, you know, spend time with your family, your significant other. Uh, and, and I appreciate the NFL working on the divorce rate of Americans. It's way too high, <laughs> and that's the only reason why you would put such awful, awful football in prime time. But thank you, NFL, for doing that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was all in on C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson at the start this year, and I liked Stroud slightly more than Richardson. But to me, when you looked at the quarterback landscape and guys like Kenny Pickett and Brock Purdy, were the rookies and the guys we're talking about years past, it was night and day that I thought both those two quarterbacks were obviously better NFL quarterbacks, certainly fantasy quarterbacks, too. And it's been encouraging to see C.J. Stroud do what he's done. And obviously Richardson, before his injury, it felt like kind of that same obvious tier of, oh, yeah, this quarterback's really good. I did not feel that way about Bryce Young. I wish I was more uh, vocal about it because, you know, now you can obviously say that for 10 weeks. Oh, yeah, well, why, why didn't I hear you before? I was scared. He was the consensus number one overall pick, but when, when have we seen a guy under 5'10", under 190 pounds, be successful in the NFL level? It just it was really hard to imagine that occurring, and I think especially with what Carolina has set up for him, he was kind of doomed from the get-go. Uh, and I don't know about Will Levis. I mean, I, I would have thought the Falcons would have understood that DeAndre Hopkins is the only weapon for the Titans, and yet Arthur Smith did Arthur Smith things. Now without a mustache, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I'm not all that surprised that Will Levis was able to torch them. And the same goes for that Steelers game. We only had, what, three, four days to prepare for him. I'm really curious when we get to, like, December 10th, whatever week that ends up being, when you have four or five weeks of film on Will Levis, will he continue to look good and strong in the pocket and make decisions and reads that we didn't see in college? Because if that's the case, that is good for the NFL. As much as I was chastising him for the uh, poor games on Thursday and Sunday night, we need better quarterback play. Very clearly, we need better quarterback play. And Ryan Tannehill was not providing that, hasn't provided that really for years now. Uh, and I hope for Titans fans that Will Levis does become that. I'm just not as optimistic, uh, despite what has been two relatively good games for him. He's Joe Barnell of RotoWire joining us today on the program. Again, Joe, if you will, go through your busy schedule there with RotoWire and what RotoWire can do for all fantasy managers here as we enter the second half of the NFL season. Yeah, busy, busy indeed. Uh, JB Fantasy Sports on Twitter. You can get at me with any questions you might have. Uh, this is really the trade deadline for a lot of fantasy folks as well, too. So if you have any questions in that regard, I'll be glad to answer them on JB Fantasy Sports on Twitter. Uh, every Tuesday we do the podcast discussing waiver wire pickups. It's been it's been lackluster the last two weeks. Really, not some uh, major key players. Every Friday, eight to ten p.m. Eastern, Series XM Channel eighty-seven. Go over all the lineups now with ba- uh, basketball underway. Uh, a few more gambling articles that I post throughout the week, and uh, that will be really the, the next thing. You know, once football season winds into the late parts of December, we turn everything over to uh, fantasy basketball and fantasy hockey, and then I mean, we're at baseball. We're at uh, pitchers and catchers reporting. It feels like right after that too. So, plenty to go on at Rotowire, uh, and plenty of ways to view my content. So far, Joe, is the uh, Damian Lillard experience what you thought it would be? Yes, uh, yes, and I understand that there's been a lot of points given up. I understand the Bucks haven't won as many games as some are anticipating, but this was more or less what I was expecting. Uh, I, 
the, the real question is, come July, how am I going to feel about the Lillard experiment? And uh, hopefully it means I'll be just uh, dressed in gold because we'll have one on <laughs> our championship. Absolutely. And Joe, as always, we appreciate the time, and we hope you have another great week and look forward to talking again next week. All right. Thanks for having me on.